Good morning, everyone. Hi, I am Josh Pollard, and I am the adult ministries pastor here at Renovation Church. Uh, Happy New Year. We made it. And today we are continuing our study in the book of Psalms, uh, which for some of you is awesome and you love it and it's encouraging and you're excited. And for others of you, it's like reading Shakespeare while you're eating saltine crackers on a Monday morning. No, thank you. Right? Poetry, yuck. Poetry that doesn't even rhyme, double yuck. Give me some Romans with a side of 1 Corinthians and I'll be on my way with something useful. But wait, if that's you, wait. Today's psalm is an excellent example of how the psalms are very practical for guiding Christian life. In fact, throughout the history of God's people, the psalms have been a trusted resource for people that are going through hard times and for pulling people closer to the heart of God. So don't give up on the psalms if they're tough for you. Sit with them. Let them them wash over you. Let them speak truth into your life. Today's psalm is kind of like a story. We meet our author uh, when they're at their very lowest of lows and they're crying out to God for help. And they're praying with their hands, reaching out to God without quitting all night long. And they're not even able to sleep a bit, not even a bit. And they are crying out to God for help, and they hear nothing back but their own echoes of their own doubts. And this has happened to me before, and I'm sure it's happened to some of you. If it hasn't, it will sooner or later. Maybe some of you are there right now. So let's take a look and see what this person did when they were filled with questions in Psalm 77. You can find Psalm 77 in the Renovation Church app if you go to the Bible tab and you click on weekly verses, it'll be right there. Or, like I showed you guys last week, if you have a paper Bible, the trick for finding the Psalms, you just hold it up and you find the middle and you just crack it right open. Boom, Psalms right there. See, I did it. First try that time. Last week, it took me two tries. If you do that, Uh, leave a comment on the video and tell us if you got it on your first try. That'd be fun to see if it took you one try, two tries. And keep that open uh, as we go through today's study because we're going to walk kind of through it. And I want you to be able to see what we're talking about right there in front of you. So I'm going to read it to us. Psalm 77. It says, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated, and my spirit asked, Will the Lord... Reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld compassion? And then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will consider your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. 
What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters. Your footprints Though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Pray with me, church. Father, we thank you that you lead us through the depths, that all of the chaos sees you and trembles because you are more powerful than chaos. You are a God who gives order and truth and life. We praise you for that. We ask you to open our eyes with this psalm today to your power. We praise your name. Amen. So, here we go. Ready? What we see here in Psalm 77 is a Bible study. It's a Bible study in action. This is how Bible studies are supposed to work. And you can see the literary and emotional and spiritual movement of the psalm kind of like this. We're going to break it down. So remember, keep it up in front of you as we do this so you're seeing it happen. We come upon someone who is deep in anguish. And we're not told why uh, because it doesn't matter why. This psalm applies to all forms of anguish, be it physical or emotional or circumstantial or spiritual. Perhaps their troubles are found in a very specific occasion. Perhaps it's caused by something ongoing and persistent. And in verses 1 through 6, we see them experiencing the height of their misery, crying out to God, remembering the good old days when God was so present and so visible, and that almost makes the misery feel worse. Have you ever been in that place? You can't sleep. They don't even know what to pray anymore. You're so at the end of your rope that, you know, you want to talk to God, but you, you, you're all prayed out of words. You don't know what else to say. And so you just, you just sit there in silence at the table with God, exhausted. That's where we find our author today, our psalmist. Then in verses 7 to 9, we see that person has turned from asking for God's help to questioning God's character. Who is this God anyway? Is he even real? Does he even care? The questions that rise up in the heart of someone in anguish might seem like they're insulting God, but that depends on their aim. Are these questions arising in the heart of someone seeking truth about God's character to to understand better what's going on? Who are you? Or are they attempts at manipulation? Or maybe they're just questioning the very foundations of what they believe what we might call a crisis of faith. Do I even believe these things anymore? You see, the difference is if when we ask those questions, we go looking for their answers, and if we are willing to live by those answers. And in verses 10 to 12, we see just that. We see that our author has moved from anguish to questioning who God is in the midst of their unrelenting anguish, 
to now discerning that the antidote to their anguish is to study the Bible. So here's a quick historical note to make it clear. Uh, Remember that this psalm was actually written about 500 or so years after the time of Moses, and that the collected uh, books of God's activity, the collected record of God's activity that they would have had available at that time was probably just the first five books that we have so far. So that'd be Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, what's called the Torah or the law, the first five books of the Bible we have. So the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand and the miracles of long ago and the mighty deeds that the author's talking about are all the great deeds and amazing stories of God that happened in those five books of the Bible. And of course, now time has gone by and our record of God's activity uh, has expanded to include this very psalm. So we've got plenty of Bible to study. Also, I want to point out uh, that we should note that the primary activity of the Bible study shown here uh, includes nothing other than remembering the Bible stories and meditating on it. In the summer, uh, many of you know we offer classes on how to study the Bible well in what we call Renovation U. Uh, and tons of you guys have taken those courses because they are awesome. And you've learned tons of tools and strategies for reading the Bible well. But remember that the bedrock of Bible study is not primarily in the tools and strategies that we can learn and apply. The bedrock of Bible study is in prayer and meditation on the Word and trusting in the truth that the Holy Spirit reveals in that Scripture. For the Christian, for you, the tools and the strategies just enhance that. They cannot replace that. Our author of this psalm, he didn't have any devotionals or books or podcasts or commentaries to take up any of the valuable time spent with the actual Word. Sometimes we do so much to just avoid reading the actual Bible. We'll read anything else about it, but not it. But our author just is just with the Word. Those other things, uh, they're valuable tools at times. They really help. But sometimes they're just a huge distraction to just being in the Word and in prayer. So let's remember that as we learn about studying the Bible. And then we move to verses 13 and 14, and we see the result of this Bible study that the author did. The stories, he says, were from a long ago, which may make them seem irrelevant or disconnected from the present time. Uh, For this author, they were hundreds of years before, and for us, they're thousands of years before, and they happened in somewhere really far away. But since our God's character does not change, those stories have the power to tell us who God is now. Even though those stories in verses 10 to 12, you'll notice, are from long ago, as the author says, everything in the description of God in verses 13 and 14 is present tense. This is who God is in the midst of our seemingly ever-present anguish. He is holy. He is great. He performs miracles. He is glad to put his power on display. You see, guys, a good Bible study... It doesn't tell you more about the Bible. It tells you more about who our God is. And then in verses 15 to 20, the author gives us the biblical reasoning behind his claims about God's character. 
He shares the story with everyone who reads this so that we know the same story, namely the crossing of the Red Sea in Exodus 14. It was one of the highest points in all of the Old Testament, of the entire Bible. If you don't know Exodus 14 and the story of the crossing of the Red Sea, today go read it. Read at least Exodus 14, if not Exodus 1 through 14 for the whole Exodus story. It is foundational to so much in the Bible. It's a very important part. And it is no wonder that the author of our psalm landed in Exodus 14 to remember who our God is is. Who knows? You may be landing there sometime soon to be reminded of the same thing. It is a very good thing that we have Exodus 14. We see in verses 19 and 20 of our psalm uh, something very important. The author is reminded that God is a powerful and loving God leading his people towards his promises even when evidence of him cannot be found. In the beginning of the psalm, the author goes on and on about how God is nowhere to be found. And now, because of time spent studying the Bible, meditating on those stories, we all remember that he was silent and invisible when he was at his most protective. And that, you guys, is how studying the Bible works. Life happens, you're in anguish, you begin to question God's character, so you go to the Bible to be reminded of who God is, and then you tell everyone what you found, because it's in the Bible alone that we find the promises of God. It's in the Bible that we find a trustworthy description of his character. Our personal experiences are important, but they're subjective and they're changing because we're always changing. Even though the stories of God in the Bible are from long ago, they still challenge our experiences today. They correct our experiences. They put our experiences in perspective. They put our experiences into God's story. And that is what a good Bible study does. Now, there are a few things about Christian life that this psalm teaches us that I think are really important. First, even when you are a Christian, the questions do not stop. Just because we love God doesn't mean that pain and depression and unwanted temptations no longer come. Suffering no longer comes. That the questions no longer come. When we turn from a life of sin to a life dedicated to honestly seeking God, we still experience tremendous difficulties, both physically and spiritually. Read the Bible for 10 minutes and you can't help but see it everywhere in life and in Scripture. And there will be times when every single one of us question everything. Even the people that wrote the Bible did. And so when you have those questions, it's okay. And that's in part because of my second point. My second point is that our questioning does not change God's reality. God is not threatened by your questions because he's got answers to all of them. See, the only danger in asking questions about God is if you get to a difficult one and you stop pursuing the answer. Because not asking your question and seeking out the answers actually will reinforce our doubts. 
It lets them brew in us and ferment and marinate our souls in doubt until they're fully penetrated with unbelief. So looking for the truth is always a good idea. Asking those questions is always a good idea. See, with some folks, they like to think that, you know, if I ask too many questions about God, then it's going to expose something that proves it's all just fairy tales and wishful thinking. It's all fake. And all those really smart intellectual people that like to ask all those questions and they know all those answers, well, they don't believe in God because they all know that there's no such thing as God. But that's, I'm telling you, that's not a true story. See, it's a false story we tell ourselves. Even last week, I just saw a Merry Christmas broadcast from the International Space Station where one of the astronauts was talking about how Christmas uh, was about celebrating the birth of our Savior. And another one of the astronauts that's up there, uh, he just flew up uh, like two months ago on one of SpaceX's Falcon 9 rockets. He's the, the top of technology that we have right now as humans. He flew up there and he brought a Bible and communion with him. And his church actually in Texas does virtual services just like we're doing right now. So he's still able to go to church because they have great Wi-Fi up there apparently. And he's able to join them. In fact, if you are uh, watching this live on Sunday morning, there's a really good chance that astronaut Victor Glover is probably worshiping God right now as a part of a church service from outer space. How cool is that, right? And if you didn't know, here's something for you. Back in 1968, when NASA first had people orbiting the moon on the Apollo 8 mission, when they were doing that, there was, it was Christmas Eve, and they had the astronauts read from the beginning of the book of Genesis, from the moon's orbit. And then, a year later in 1969, when Apollo 11 landed on the moon, Buzz Aldrin, the second person on the moon, uh, did a reading from the book of John and took communion on the moon. How crazy. That's amazing. So the first liquid ever poured on the moon and the first food ever eaten on the moon were the body and blood of Christ. How amazing is that? If you think that asking questions and really asking hard questions and being intelligent about searching out those answers and faith in Christianity are mutually exclusive, I know some people at NASA that would disagree. Well, I don't know them, but there's people at NASA that would disagree with that. People that have been to the moon. Asking questions about God and about your faith is a natural and healthy part of human existence. It's a normal part of fallen human experience. And when these questions are honest, and when the goal of these questions is to get at the truth about God and to see who God is, then they're okay. They're okay. Because God will be who God will be even when we are not sure about it. He is powerful even when we don't see his power. When we press into our questions, we will eventually get back to the God of the Bible every time. Every time. So, our first point, the questions don't stop as Christians. The second, God is not afraid of your questions. And our last point for today is that someone has asked your question before. Which means that when you're in that spiritually dark place of asking, who is this God? Is he even real? Does he even care? Why is all this happening? What is going on? Where is he? When your personal struggles cause you to question the character of God, you're going to look down and you're going to see footprints all around you. 
Because many people, including the person that wrote this psalm, have walked that very path and have come out the other side. You are not alone. Your questions about God matter. Your struggles matter. Your unwanted temptations matter. Your doubts matter because you matter. No matter who you are, your life matters. What you're going through matters. And that is why Bible study matters. Because a good Bible study study may start in your anguish and your prayers and your questioning, but it will end with God's character and God's story and God's truth in you. It may begin in anguish, but it will end in awe. Pray with me, church. Father, we are in awe of you constantly. You are so just other. And your power defies our ability to understand. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, Father. And we praise you for that. And we ask you to uh, just continually show us who you are. We praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.